section fifteen of a history of our own times volume four by justin mccarthy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter fifty three the fenian movement part three not many months after this event the world was roused to amazement by the news of the daring rescue of fenian prisoners in manchester two fenian prisoners named kelly and deasy were being conveyed in a prison van from one of the police courts to the borough jail to await further examination on the way the van was stopped by a number of armed fenians who demanded the surrender of the prisoners they surrounded the van and endeavoured to break in the door of it the door was locked on the inside and the key was in the keeping of a police officer brett who sat within a shot was fired at the keyhole probably in the hope of blowing off the lock this was the opinion of one at least of the police who gave evidence and poor brett was just in the way of the bullet the unfortunate policeman who was only preparing to do his duty bravely by refusing to give up his charge and by defending his position to the last received a wound of which he died soon after the doors were then opened a woman prisoner in the van handing out the keys which she found in the pocket of the unfortunate officer and the prisoners were rescued kelly i'll die for you was the exclamation heard to be uttered by one of the fenian rescuers he kept his word the rescue was accomplished the prisoners were hurried away and were never after seen by english officials the principal rescuers died for them several men were put on their trial for the murder of brett five were found guilty their names were allen larkin o'brien condon or shore and maguire allen was a young fellow a mere lad under twenty the defence was that the prisoners only meditated a rescue and that the death of the policeman was but an accident it should be said also that each of those who avowed having taken part in the rescue denied that he had fired the fatal shot legally of course this would have availed them nothing shots were fired those who take part in an unlawful assemblage for an unlawful purpose become responsible for the acts of their confederates but it is worth noting as a fact that the men who gloried in the rescue and died glorying in it declared to the last that they had not fired the shot which killed brett all the five were sentenced to death then followed an almost unprecedented occurrence one of the five maguire had simply pleaded in his defence that he had been arrested by mistake that he never was near the spot on the day of the rescue that he was a loyal private in the marines and no fenian that he never knew anything about the plot or heard of it until he was arrested the jury convicted him along with all the others but the reporters for the press had been so struck with the apparent genuineness of the man's defence that they took the unprecedented step of joining in a memorial to the government expressing their conviction that in his case the finding of the jury was a mistake the government made an inquiry and it was found that maguire's defence was a truth and that his arrest was a mere blunder he received a pardon at once that being the only way in which he could be extricated from the effect of the mistaken verdict naturally the news of this singular miscarriage of justice threw a great doubt on the soundness of the verdict in the other cases 
many strenuous attempts were made to procure a commutation of the sentence mr bright exerted himself with characteristic energy and humanity mr swinburne the poet made an appeal to the people of england in lines of great power and beauty on behalf of a policy of mercy to the prisoners lord derby who had then come to be at the head of the government refused to listen to any appeal he declared that it was not a political offence but simply a murder commonplace in everything saved its peculiar atrocity he was even ungenerous enough to declare that the act for which he had determined that the men should die was a dastardly deed this was not merely a superfluous piece of ungenerosity it was simply a misapplication of words a minister of the crown might well denounce in the strongest language that could be made appropriate to the occasion so lawless an act as that for which allen and his companions were condemned but there was no excuse for calling it dastardly the conduct of a handful of men who stopped a police van in a great city and at the risk of their own lives rescued some of their political heroes from custody proclaiming at the same time their readiness to die for the deed might be called lawless might even be called criminal but if words have any meaning at all it could not be called dastardly we can easily test the question if we do not maintain the creed that the moral laws change according as they are applied by different persons let us suppose that instead of the rescue of two fenians in manchester lord derby had been talking of the rescue of two garibaldians in rome let us suppose that the papal police were carrying off two of the followers of garibaldi to a roman prison and that a few garibaldians stopped the van in open day and within reach of the whole force of the papal gendarme broke the van open and rescued the prisoners and that in the affray one of the papal police was killed does anybody suppose that lord derby would have stigmatized the conduct of the rescuing garibaldians as dastardly is it not more likely that even if he yielded so far to official proprieties as to call it misguided he would have qualified his disapprobation by declaring that it was also heroic one other of the five prisoners who were convicted together escaped the death sentence this was condon or shore an american by citizenship if not by birth he had undoubtedly been concerned in the attempt at rescue but for some reason a distinction was made between him and the others this act of mercy in itself highly commendable added to the bad effect produced in ireland by the execution of the other three men for it gave rise to the belief that shore had been spared only because the protection of the american government might have been invoked on his behalf the other three allen larkin and o'brien were executed they all met death with courage and composure it would be superfluous to say that their deaths did not discourage the spirit of fenianism on the contrary they gave it a new lease of life indeed the execution of these men did not even tend to prevent crime the excitement caused by the attempt they had made and the penalty they had paid had hardly died away when a crime of a peculiarly atrocious nature was committed in the name of fenianism on november twenty third eighteen sixty seven allen larkin and o'brien were hanged at manchester on december thirteenth 
an attempt was made to blow up the house of detention at clerkenwell about four o'clock that day all london was startled by a shock and a sound resembling the distant throb of an earthquake or the blowing up of a powder magazine the explanation soon came two fenian prisoners were in the clerkenwell house of detention and some sympathizers outside had attempted to rescue them by placing a barrel of gunpowder close to the wall of the prison and exploding the powder by means of a match and a fuse about sixty yards of the prison wall were blown in and numbers of small houses in the neighbourhood were shattered to pieces six persons were killed on the spot about six more died from the effects of the injuries they received some hundred and twenty persons were wounded forty premature confinements were the consequence of the shock received by women and twenty of the babes died in their birth the clumsiness of the crime was only surpassed by its atrocity had the prisoners on whose behalf the attempt were made been near the wall at the time they must have shared the fate of those who were victimized outside had they even been taking exercise in the yard they would in all probability have been killed they would have been taking exercise at the time had it not been for a warning the authorities at scotland yard received two days before to the effect that an attempt at rescue was to be made by means of gunpowder and the blowing in of the wall in consequence of this warning the governor of the prison had the prisoners confined to their cells that day and thus in all probability they owed their lives to the disclosure of the secret plan which their officious and ill-omened admirers had in preparation for their rescue why the prison authorities and the police thus forewarned did not keep a sufficient watch upon the line of prison wall to prevent the possibility of any such scheme being put into execution it passes the wit of man to comprehend at the very time that this horrible crime and blunder was perpetrated one of the london theatres was nightly crowded by spectators eager to see an irish melodrama among the incidents of which was the discussion of a plan for the rescue of a prisoner from a castle cell the audience was immensely amused by the proposal of one confederate to blow up the castle altogether and the manner in which it occurred to the simple plotters just in time that if they carried out this plan they must send the prisoner himself flying into the air the clerkenwell conspirators had either not seen the popular drama or had missed the point of its broadest joke five men and a woman were put on trial for the crime the chief justice before whom the charge was tried directed the withdrawal of the proceedings against the woman and one of the men as there seemed to be no case against them three others were acquitted after a long trial one man was convicted unfortunately for the moral effect of the conviction the man was found guilty on the evidence of an informer and a very strong attempt had been made to prove that the prisoner was not in london at all at the time when he was charged with the commission of the crime a sort of official but extrajudicial inquiry took place as to the validity of the plea of alibi and the result was that the chief justice and the authorities of the home office declared themselves satisfied with the verdict mr bright raised the question in the house of commons and urged a further delay of the execution but he was answered with the assurance that no doubt was any longer felt as to the propriety of the verdict the man was executed 
so far as it is possible to judge the persons who were concerned in the plot to blow in the prison wall appear to have been of that irresponsible crew who hang on to the skirts of all secret political associations and whose adhesion is only one other reason for regarding such associations as deplorable and baneful such men are of the class who bring a curse who bring many curses on even the best cause that strives to work in secret they prowl after the heels of organized conspiracy and what it will not do they are ready in some fatal moment to attempt it would be the merest injustice to deny that among the recognized leaders of the fenian movement were men of honorable feeling and sincere although misguided patriotism it would be as cruel and as unjust to suppose that these men could have had any sympathy with such an outrage as that which destroyed the innocent women and children at clerkenwell but the political conspirator may well pause before entering on his schemes to reflect that an authority exercised in secret can never be sure of making itself thoroughly felt and of preventing some desperate follower from undertaking on his own account a deed which his leaders would never have sanctioned if no other reason existed this thought alone might be enough to set men's hearts against secret political confederation it is not necessary to follow out the steps of the fenian movement any further there were many isolated attempts there were many arrests trials imprisonments banishments the effect of all this it must be stated as a mere historical fact was only to increase the intensity of dissatisfaction and discontent among the irish peasantry it is curious to notice how entirely irish in its character the movement was and how little sympathy it gave to or got from the movements of continental revolution in one or two instances some restless soldier of universal democracy found his way from the continent to place his services at the disposal of the fenians the alliance was never successful the stranger did not like the irish the irish did not take to the stranger their ways were different the irish people and more especially the irish peasantry failed altogether to be captivated by the prospect of the democratic and social republic they did not even understand what was meant by the vague grandeur of the phraseology which describes the supposed common cause as the revolution eloquence about the solidarity of peoples was lost on them the most extreme of them only dreamed of the independence of ireland they had no ambition to bear a part in a general pulling down of old institutions the phenomena of the fenian movement did not fail to impress some statesmanlike minds in england there were some public men who saw that the time had come when mere repression must no longer be relied upon as a cure for irish discontent we know since that time that even the worst excesses of the movement impressed the mind of mr gladstone with a conviction that the hour was appropriate for doing something to remove the causes of the discontent that made ireland restless the impatient and silly nurse tries to stop the child's crying by beating it a more careful and intelligent person makes a prompt investigation and finds that a pin is sticking into the little sufferer the english government had for a long time been the stupid nurse to the crying child 
they had tried threatening words and quick blows the cry of complaint still was heard it occurred at last to some men of responsible authority to seek out the cause and quietly try to remove it while many public instructors lost themselves in vain shriekings over the wickedness of fenianism and the incurable perversity of the irish people one statesman was already convinced that the very shock of the fenian agitation would arouse public attention to the recognition of substantial grievance and to the admission that the business of statesmanship was to seek out the remedy and provide redress. End of section 15